Hello everybody and welcome to the pilot, or episode zero as I'm calling it, of the Bitchin' Review, a brand new music review show brought to you by the Bitchin' Brew podcast, aka me, Danny Randon, your host. Um, If you're a regular listener to Bitchin' Brew then you're probably wondering, Danny, what the fuck is this? This isn't the usual programming and uh, to that I say, don't worry because I'm still going to be talking an inane amount of bollocks, but it's just uh, talking bollocks about albums that have recently come out, or EPs, just records in general. It's really just a bid to expand the the Bitchin' Brew brand into 2019 and kind of bring you that sweet hashtag content. Um, all, all jokes aside, I really wanted to um, evolve Bitchin' Brew into a platform not only where I sit down and chat with cool people from the music industry, um, but where I can also keep you posted on the latest albums and EPs that I've been listening to. Um, of course, I'm not going to be alone in this. Uh, that would be a big ask, asking you to tune in once a month and just hear me talking for ages on my own about albums. I mean, I wouldn't want to put anyone through that. So I will have a a co-host for this. Uh, The man sat to my left right now. He's my co-pilot in this sonic voyage. I wrote that down earlier. I thought that was a pretty good pretty good line. He's my first mate in this expedition. He's the goth to my Wayne. <laughs> Mr. Brad Thorne, how are Hello, you, sir? Mate. I'm good. Thank you for having me back. Oh, no. Well, no. We're, I'm very, very happy to welcome you back to Bitch and Brew as a, well, sort of a semi-permanent yeah, sure. member now. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Expanding the family a little bit. Yeah. But, so, to give a bit of context into, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, led to us doing the Bitch and Review, you obviously came on and did the Albums of 2018 special, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of fun chatting, didn't we? Yeah. We chatted for a long time. Long time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should say, we're not going to look to chat nearly as long as we did on the Albums of 2018 special. We're going to look to keep it uh, an hour to an hour and a half per show. Yeah. Just sort of talking briefly. A tight 90 minutes. A tight 90 minutes. A concise 90 minutes. <laughs> so you can listen to it on your commute, because that's what people do with podcasts these days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Ultimate commuting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is such a strong start. But um, uh, yeah, this is episode zero, and it is very much you know a work in progress. Even the title, The Bitch and Review, I mean, hit me up on uh, on Twitter, at Bitch and Brewcast, if you think you have a better idea for a title. I, I too, Bitch and Brew, uh, Bitch and Review was one of them, and the other one was The Brew Review. But then you don't drink hot drinks, so... I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have kicked off. I, yeah, it's already called bitch and brew. So. Yeah, I mean, we kind of biz because to kind of set the scene, we're sat in a car park in mm. Southampton, um, yeah. outside of Wilco. Yep. I've just had a nice cup of tea because I went to record an episode with uh, Ricky and Toby, the bookers at the Joiners. Um, but yeah, obviously we can't have beers, but we are <laughs> sat here in my shitty little car. Um, no doubt, it it doesn't look suspicious at all. No doubt the windows are going to get steamy throughout the, the the course of this recording, and it'll be like um, it'll be like Titanic. Like, <laughs> let's hope not. <laughs> you have your hand pressed up like Kate Winslet. Oh, I've made this so uncomfortable already. Of a behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> God, this is a weird start, isn't it? Yeah. Start as we mean to go on, but uh, the the sort of concept for this pilot episode, uh, if you can call it a concept, is obviously after we recorded the albums of 2018 special in early December, um, we 
went back and listened to a fair few albums that didn't quite make the cut. We looked at other mm. albums of the year lists and kind of went, oh, might have missed that. And I'd caught up on a ton of albums. Mm. Uh, so this is uh, the eight hidden gems of 2018. Uh, whether it's albums that we listened to for the first time back in, you know, as as soon as a month ago, or albums that we kind of listened to, then put down and have kind of come back to since, really. Yeah. You've picked four albums, yep. or four records, one of them's an EP. Yeah. Um, I've picked four albums, and we're just going to have a chat about them, aren't we? Yeah. Would you say, uh, before we start, that um, any of these albums... Uh, had you discovered them now, uh, had you discovered them sooner, I mean, uh, might have been a shoo-in into your top 20? Um, one of them, certainly. The others, quite possibly. Okay. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, there are a couple of mine that are like, wow, why didn't I hear this sooner? Because, yeah. you know, some of these... I mean, they're all... We we also decided we wanted to be a positive podcast as well, and mm-hmm. only talk about albums that we feel are really worthy of our time. Yeah, you know, we didn't want to just bring in albums because it's what people are talking about, and for us to go, yeah, it's all right. Mm. Yeah, a new Papa Roach album. Yeah, yeah. it's all right. Life's too short for yeah, for that. yeah, exactly. I mean, I, well, no. To be fair, I haven't heard the new Papa Roach album. It could be brilliant. Be. Anything's possible. <laughs> but these are all albums that have kind of uh, been quite significant on our on our sort of listening circulations over the past mm-hmm. month or so, for lack of a less wanky phrase. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, before we start with that, Brad, because uh, we also want to do some little gig, mini gig reviews as well. Yeah. You, you absolute bastard, I'm really <laughs> jealous of right now. You went to go and see Mastodon last night. Yep, they came to uh, the Guildhall in Southampton. Uh, and I went along. So the Guildhall in Southampton is not a not maybe the best venue for sound okay. in the world. Yeah, that's you may feel differently. I've I've never been blown away by the sound there. No, um, maybe that comes from the fact it's, it's the building isn't sort of built as a music mm. venue. I'm not too sure. So um, I turned up towards the end of the opening set, which was Mutoid Man. Yeah, so did they, they didn't have Ben Collar on drums last night because he recently had a, an injury. Ben Collar of Converge. Um, yeah, I don't think they did, no. No, because he's broken his elbow, I oh, believe. Really? Yeah, and I think it kind of threw the whole tour into jeopardy. So it's cool to see they were still on the tour. Yeah, very cool. Um, they were fun. They had a real great energy. The, the crowd, there seemed to be a crowd there for them, yeah. which is quite good for 7 o'clock on a mm. Thursday night. Um, the sound they they didn't sound great, unfortunately. No, the sound can be bitty as fuck for support bands, then mm-hmm, for sure. Definitely, um, Cavell Attack were the main support. Yeah. Um, much better, sound wise. It was still um, the vocals were were very buried. Okay. Um, and I'm not a massive fan. I think their first album's really really cool. Not overly familiar with the other stuff. I'm not overly familiar with Cavell Attack on record, to be honest. What, what I've heard, I really, really mm. love. And I've heard bit dribs and draps. They were a brilliant support band, and I can imagine them being main support for any kind of metal band and, and pumping up the crowd. Well, they they um, they opened for Metallica, they did, didn't they, yeah. when, they did the, uh, when they played in the round at the O2. But mm. I know a lot of people were quite frustrated that they couldn't get there in time, into the venue in time yeah, to see Cavell Attack. Yeah, it's the way. Um... And then Mastodon came on and, and really lived up to their name because the sound was just crushing. It was, it was, you know, especially compared to the two support bands where, like you said, the sound can be can be a little bit off sometimes. Yeah, they just sounded humongous, and I suppose um, 
they were what the music industry would call out of cycle, out right, of album okay. cycle. Um, so the set list was was a really really great mix of kind of older stuff. Um, so they opened with Iron Tusk, which I think is from Leviathan. Okay, it's a really real nice opener and quite a surprise. And there wasn't really much stuff off of um, Emperor Sands. Wow, that's quite surprising. Yeah, I think I had a quick peek, and didn't they only play like a two or three? Two or three from they didn't from even my play memory. Show yourself, did they? No, they didn't. It was a very oh, what unhit laden set. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, I, no, um, of all bands to do that, yeah, I would put it down to a band like Mastodon to to, kind to of, mix it up. Yeah, to bring yeah. out some of those deep cuts as well. Um, yeah. Didn't they have Scott Kelly from Neurosis? Oh, yeah, I was just on, about to come to this guitar. towards the end of the set. They kind of brought out Scott Kelly and said, "This is our friend, Scott <laughs> Kelly of Neurosis," and it and it became Mastodon featuring Scott Kelly, which right. really sort of changed the dynamic of the set, kind of halfway through. And they played all of their songs that they have together yeah. on each album, and yeah, it was just amazing. It was really great, and it was really cool to to go to a gig like that and walk out feeling like you you really got your money's worth. Yeah. You know, when you pay thirty five, forty pound for a ticket. Yeah, yeah. And they pay um play this really long set and you get nice deep cuts and a special guest and yeah. Was a well, money well spent. I haven't seen Mastodon in fucking years, but I've always been told they're a great venue band, not necessarily a brilliant festival. I've heard band. that too. I've actually had never seen them before last night, oh, so okay, I was wow. really, really excited. And um, I've I w- only ever seen them at festivals, mm-hmm. and they've been brilliant. But this was like at least seven, eight years ago. Yeah, I think maybe they've got a sound that lends themselves to, to yeah. venues, and, and they need a bit of an atmosphere. Mm. But no, it was it was really really great. It was a great way to kick off twenty nineteen well, in live music. Yeah, I haven't done a gig yet. Um, trying to think of the first one I'm going to be doing. Uh, I don't know, but we will be reviewing it <laughs> on the Bitchin Review, provided we actually enjoy doing this because it is a pilot. And you've seen Pulp Fiction, you know what happens to pilots. Um, right. So should we uh, get stuck in with the first of eight albums? Yeah, let's do. Right, so the first album we're going to talk about uh, comes from a band called Fiddlehead. Um, it's a project featuring members from Have Heart and Basement, did you know? I did, yeah. yeah. I've oh, done okay. my research. <laughs> <laughs> Stop testing me. <laughs> <laughs> They're from Boston, Massachusetts. This is their debut album. It's called Springtime and Blind. It came out on Run For Cover Records, I believe, in the spring. Sort of, certainly in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. Um... I must admit, I, I kind of I went in on this album around the time it came out. And I thought, yeah, this is pretty good, solid, upbeat, alternative rock record. Mm-hmm. There's tons of you know like emo, ni- like nineties emo harkbacks. You know, it's um, you know bands like Jawbox. Yeah. I know that their singer Patrick Flynn is hugely inspired by um, like. Ian Mackay's works more so the sort of Fugazi and yeah. Embrace side of things than like Minor Threat yeah I think Fugazi's a, a massive influence on this record this this record really reminds me of uh, one of the most underrated bands in the world is a band from France called Sport have you ever heard Sport no. they've got three albums out and only one of them is on Spotify the other two are on Bandcamp oh, cool. but it's kind of got that really bright summery scuzzy mm-hmm. alternative rock vibe to it it's just it's got a bit more grit to it you know yeah. with with modern emo um you know being what it is 
having being quite polished in places. Mm-hmm. I think this is a lot like the drug church record, which we spoke about on the Alms of 2018 special, where it's just got that that extra bit of grit to it that, that differentiates it and gives it a, a tiny bit more authenticity. Yeah, if and that's, character if, as if well. If that's the right word. I'm guessing... Uh, that you absolutely love this record. Yeah, I, I feel much the same way about it that you do. Um, it obviously it reminds me of lots of music that I already like. Um, we hear quite a lot of um, one thing I've written down is, is taking back Sunday. Oh, which okay. was weird. Yeah. But the more I I listened to it, the more I kind of heard that sort of, and I think it's that kind of maybe early noughties emo thing. Mm. Um. Would you say it's early noughties as opposed to sort of nineties? Nineties into the early, You're right? Okay, yeah, before you kind of got your Fallout Boys and stuff coming. Yeah, along, yeah. Um, do you know much? Like, this record is is essentially a, a record about loss. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I did a, looked a little bit into this. Yeah, but you're right. It is it is quite upbeat, mm. and you, you don't come out of it feeling sad. Yeah, you know, even though it's really emotional, which is I think a really difficult balance. Yeah, to strike, but a, a really great, a really great thing. I've always respected artists who can write art around loss, mm-hmm. or can create art around loss, because it's hard enough to even you know talk about or process yourself, let alone to you know create music or or whatever yeah. kind of art form you're sort of uh, you decide to sort of dabble in, I suppose. Yeah, and, um, and turn it into something quite quite beautiful and. But yeah, it almost serves as a tribute uh, to uh, Patrick Flynn, the lead singer's uh, father, um, whose uh, name actually escapes me at the moment. I feel kind of bad for that. Um, he died in 2010. He mm. was a first lieutenant in Vietnam. Um, and he was later a teacher who was uh, at the United States Military Academy. Mm-hmm. in Massachusetts which is where he's buried hence the song USMA yeah. it's got a brilliant lyric in it which is stand in wind USMA above a grave with your name I stay, I shake, I age and I wait for the hands I used to call my home it's just a really touching tribute yeah. to the man and um, I think let's talk about Patrick Flynn a little bit he's a, he's a really really great vocalist yeah, yeah. I'm not overly familiar with Have Heart. I have to Neither admit. am I. I know that Songs to Scream at the Sun is a real cult record mm-hmm. for the sort of mid to late noughties melodic hardcore kind of scene. Yeah. Um, the sort of scene that preceded bands like Touche More and La Dispute and that, the, mm-hmm. the sort of precursor to that scene. I've listened to it a couple of times in passing, but I wouldn't be able to tell you very much about it. He's a very adaptable vocalist on, on Yeah. This. Much more melodic than he is in Have Heart. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Because he balances a melodic and a, and a gruffer yeah. side really, really well here. Mm. Um, Much like uh, is it, is is drug church singer? Is he called Patrick as well? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Reminder, you know, I'm making a lot of comparisons to that drug church record, and I think I probably still prefer the drug church record a little bit more than this. But that's not to yeah. say that I don't absolutely love this record mm. and. You know, it, it's really cool to hear an upbeat record centred around such dark themes. Because I think, take take it for what it is, and it's a really just infectious summary alt-rock record. Yeah. But when I started seeing people going like, oh, this is the most important album of the year, I wanted to delve a little more into it. And I think once you delve into the themes and the story behind it, it takes on 
uh, a sort of a whole new level of poignancy. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really love this record. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, okay, so that's Fiddlehead, Springtime and Blind. Now, the next one. Now, I know we're both going to love this one already because mm-hmm. we actually saw this band live together yeah. uh, towards the end of last year supporting culture abuse at the Joiners in Southampton, the best venue on the planet. <laughs> um, Gouge Away from Florida. Yes. Yeah, this is, this is their second full-length full length album. Mm. Their first on Death Wish Records, which is a really cool, yeah. I think quite a good mark of quality in, in the hardcore mm. world. And they are, they're a hardcore punk band. Um, this one, this album's quite a big departure in yeah. sound, I'd say, from the first one. It's called Burnt Sugar, oh, by yes. the way, we should probably say. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. No, 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 it's fine. It's called Burnt Sugar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. I already um, said. Did you know it's called Burnt Sugar? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I did hear that. It brings in um, lots of kind of alternative rock, almost kind of indie influences mm. into that hardcore sound. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think the American hardcore scene might be the most exciting kind of cluster of bands in the world at the moment. Yeah. In our, yeah. In our uh, world of rock music. Backed. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just such a diverse... And, and what Galjoy have done on Burnt Sugar is um, is add another flavour to that, to that mix of bands, you know, mm. in this kind of alternative rock... 90s leaning album yeah what do you think of this uh, yeah I mean I I'm a little bit ashamed that it's taken me this long to kind of come around to the record mm-hmm. yeah because I had listened to it a, you know a good few times before we saw them live and live I think they're just an absolutely incendiary band yeah, they really their are. singer Christina Michelle mm-hmm. is sort of frightfully captivating yeah um, I think their their last album um, called Dies with a sort of comma before yeah. it I think that's everything you could want from um, like a modern hardcore record. Definitely. It was, you know, it's explosive and it's antagonistic, but it's still got one foot firmly planted in, in catchiness. Yeah. So that punk rock side of things. Um, and I think Burnt Sugar as a follow-up is everything that you could want from modern hardcore and then a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I, I fucking love the production on this record. It's really lo-fi and scuzzy and cool. It's... Mm-hmm. Um, Reminds me a lot, production-wise, of that fucked up record. Um, you know, we're we're saying we're making a lot of references with the fucked up record to like those cool indie rock bands of the early noughties from yeah. you know the New York scene and that sort of thing, which are all over this. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's um, huge Pixies vibes. Mm-hmm. I th- I, you know, listen to that bassline on Ghost and tell me that's not hugely yeah. <laughs> Pixies influenced. And um, you know, obviously bits of slightly mellow college rock in there it's not a mellow album though because it is really no. discordant in yeah. places and um really quite sort of musically dexterous it is the whole thing sort of sounds like it's on the edge of falling apart in the mo- in the nicest way possible yeah you know? yeah it, it it's like it, it's explosive mm. almost and and um christina michelle is when you listen to the lyrics and how Frustrated, they sound yeah. how personal they are. It's a much more introspective album than than Dice, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. Dice brought so many ideas to the table about things like animal cruelty. Yeah, um, I've forgotten the name of the song, but it's the one that's followed by "Until Every Cage Is Empty." 
Um, I'm not here for your science experiment. Yeah, that yeah. one, oh, it's just fucking Which brilliant. Goes off life, oh yeah, it, it's when when they played that, I fucking lost my shit. But um, <laughs> you know, I I think this, you know, like you were saying, the the American hardcore scene at the moment is really exciting. We spoke about Vane. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that Galdraway at the moment are on the game changing level of a band. You know, like a Code Orange. No. Or, or maybe even like the, uh, a... The difference being is, is maybe Galdraway are bringing things from the past very much into the into the present. Yeah. Um, maybe not doing things you haven't heard before, just doing things in a, in a very fresh and ex- exciting way. Yeah. Whereas Code Orange are, are treading totally new ground, I think, is maybe the difference. But... Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I mean, you know, I, I still want to see Galdraway become one of these... Almost like bridging bands. Yeah. Like you put them on a on a support slot with perhaps a more palatable rock band. When you think about these rock bands like uh, that are coming through, like Yonaka or mm-hmm. or like even someone like Black Honey or yeah. or like Marmosets, you know, that still have that um, that mainstream indie rock appeal, but yeah. with a bit more oomph to it, if mm-hmm. you will, than than your sort of your standard indie band, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd I'd really like to to see them sort of become a bridging band into into the very exciting hardcore scene at yeah, the moment. Yeah, I think this sets them up for a very very exciting third record potentially. Oh god, no yeah. pressure. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to see them back here doing headline shows yeah, as well. Are they definitely. coming back at all anytime soon? I hope so. Oh wait, shit, they're doing two thousand trees. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be messy. Oh yes. Right, so that's Galway and Burnt Sugar. So the next band we're going to talk about, uh, they come from New Zealand. You don't hear about a lot of bands that come from New Zealand, no. to be honest. I know Alien Weaponry are sort of, you know, making their way in the metal scene at the moment. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about Alien Weaponry. No, we're <laughs> going to talk about a four-piece uh, called The Beths. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually saw this band uh, last year. I saw them at the Wave Maiden, which is my favourite bar in South Sea. Five minutes down the road from my flat. I'll take you there sometime. Yeah. It's wicked. We'll do it after we record episode one. Awesome, yeah. Um, and I saw them play to about 20 people upstairs at the Wave Maiden. Um, they were actually on tour with Fresh. Oh, cool. Um, but unfortunately, Fresh had to pull out of that one gig in particular. Uh-huh. Um, but I stuck around because I really wanted to see the opening band, Murder House. Shout out James Hunt. Um, and, um, you know, I wanted to, I want, I heard really good things about the Beths as well. So I went down, about 20 people had a really fun time. I picked up a cassette of their, um, their EP, Warm Blood. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really keep a tab open on them. Mm. Um, that was really stupid of me. <laughs> Cause next thing I know, I found out that they're booked to actually open for Death Cab for Cutie on their UK tour, which starts later this month and across Europe as well. So wow. they've gone to places like Hammersmith Apollo Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, to see to see them go from you know uh, upstairs in a Portsmouth dive yeah. to about twenty people to the Hammersmith Apollo, yeah, is awesome. Um, to give you, I mean, they've had huge backing in that time as well because they brought out their debut album since I saw them. They brought it out in the summer. It's called Future Me Hates Me, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Pitchfork called it one of the most impressive indie rock debuts of the year. Um, it got support from Six Music. Um, yeah, this this came out in August, and man, I'd wish I'd heard it then, because yeah. it is so gloriously summery. It's a pure summer record. It, it really is. Pitchfork are, are not wrong. It really is. It's an amazing debut. 
and um, I think what I love about it is it's just such a, a tight record and it's just so packed with hooks in such a short space of time mm. you can just stick it on on a drive to wherever you're going yeah. preferably the beach or something I guess yeah. um, it's just and it's just such a great time and it, it doesn't really have any kind of bells and whistles on it production wise no or anything which just reinforces the quality of the songs and the hooks and how catchy they are well, I think there's quite a... It is really bright and really melodic and really kind of easygoing. Um, there's these occasional bursts of energy on there. Like, there's a song, I think it's track three, it's called Uptown Girl. Not a Billy Joel cover. No. Definitely not a Westlife cover either. Um, but it's it's kind of got that sort of punkier fire to it, kind of driving the chorus along. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's quite a misconception that this kind of music has little to no artistic merit because of how simple it is because it does have a that sort of jam in the garage quality yeah um, um but all, all of the musicians met while studying jazz at university yeah and i think they're all exceptionally talented musicians i think you know one thing that really defines this album is guitar solos which i don't think you hear a lot in this no, lo-fi, quite lo-fi indie pop kind of scene if you will um i i love the guitar solos on this and um another thing i love uh there's a track called you wouldn't like me and it's got these vocal harmonies which are so beach boys yeah like it's tons of 50s 60s surfer pop on it more than like you know weezer at times you know i thought weezer were surf pop influenced and then i heard this and i was like oh wow yeah bring on the black album you know <laughs> and i mean guitar solos um harmonies they're they're both things that are easy to overuse yeah and and can become quite old quite quickly mm. which these guys don't do at all you know yeah um oh, it's just such a good album um <laughs> i really have been listening to this a lot i love um the track not running into little death that's a really yeah. nice little two track they're both so catchy because mm-hmm. it's not exactly um you know upbeat all the way through it can be quite introspective in parts um, yeah they're very resonant the lyrics are, are really relatable yeah very resonant yeah I, I mean you know i said this was a pure summer record i i've been listening to it a ton as well mm-hmm. kind of i do kind of wish i had listened to it in august because i think it might have even got a look in for the top 20 yeah although i think there's something and we'll come back to this maybe with another one of the of the records we're talking about there's something to be said for having a a summer record at this time of year yeah to put on you know when it is so gray and miserable (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah that's that's the Beths and future me hates me i'd say check that out if you're a fan of there's there's lots of like um you know i know they're from new zealand but there's lots of australian bands like uh or artists like courtney barnett mm-hmm. um rolling blackouts coastal fever i don't know if you've listened to them at all but yeah a little bit I, I, was, yeah. I was on a huge kick of their debut album um but also if you if you you know come from the british punk scene if you like bands like fresh mm-hmm. um or going over to the states bands like best coast or you know i think if you like that Diet Sig record from a couple of years ago, I think you'll really find something you'll enjoy in the Beth's record. Yeah. Nice one. So from one summary record to another, um, this comes from Friends of the Podcast, yeah. um, Bitch and Brew alumnus, uh, alumni? Alumni. Alumni. Yeah. English. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
This comes from Orchards from Brighton. Um, this is one that you brought in, actually. It is, yeah. Um, an alt-pop band. Do you think that's fair? An alternative pop band? I would say that's fair, yes. Yeah. This is their EP. Debut um, EP. Debut EP. Brought out on Big Scary Monsters. Yes. Friends of the podcast. Uh, I would say so, yes. Yeah. Shout out Connor Friend. Laws. <laughs> um, it's called Losers slash Lovers. Yes. I, I assume it's uh, just pronounced without the slash, like Losers, losers Lovers. lovers. Yeah. Possibly, I would say. Yeah, Let's go I for that, so. shall we? Let's do yeah, that, yeah. Nice one. All right. <laughs> um, this is another one that is has got summer all over it, mm. which I've been listening to it a lot. I kind of just discovered it around Christmas time, weirdly. Really? On Spotify. I had heard of them, I had listened to them, and I thought it was really good, but I think I'd kind of left it in the summer. Okay. Kind of rediscovered it, and I've been listening to it a lot to, to bring some sunshine into January, and I think I'll still be listening to it into the summer. It's um just a kind of a really nice guitar pop collection of songs. Um, it reminds me... Reminds me of like the first Foles record. I don't know if you're a fan. Yeah. So something about the mathy kind of guitars. It's funny you say that because when they came on the podcast, uh, Sam, their guitarist, and Dan, their bassist, lovely, lovely fellas, hello lads. Um, they they <laughs> hello, talked lads. they talked lots. We talked lots actually about Antidotes by Foles, uh, yeah. which is a record I absolutely I fucking love Foles. Me too. Um, Me too. And it turned ten last year, so we were talking yeah. a lot quite about it in the sort of the the mathy complexities mixed with insanely catchy you know we've used the word indie rock a lot today i feel like we're yeah. we're putting all the indie rock records first before <laughs> we get to some dark shit later um so yeah it, it kind of does remind me of that that era of indie bands where okay there was a lot of shit coming out at the time but for yeah. every 20 wanky disco indie band you had you had you know like a two door cinema club or you know, an Asteroids Galaxy tour or, mm-hmm. you know, like a Ladyhawk, something like that. Yeah. MGMT on that first album. Yeah. I'd say it's slightly, uh, definitely Foles, maybe less so the MGMT side of things. But, yeah, um, less it electronic. Is, it is very evocative of that era. It is, which I think maybe that just hits the nostalgia button for me massively. Mm. Those were halcyon days Yay. for Brad Thorne. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I think this gets me really excited about a possible debut album. I don't know mm. how kind of far along they are with, with thinking about that, but um, I think it promises really, really great things to come. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are talking a lot about it being sort of indie in places. You, you, what are you saying about it being an alternative pop record? I mean, it's becoming a bit of an age-old conversation on Bitch and Brew now about pop not being a dirty word anymore. No. I'm quite happy to say, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed at all uh, to say that I fucking love some of the songs on the radio at the moment from, you know, Dua Lipa and Charlie XCX. And yeah. I don't know about you, but I have not been able to get Thank You Next by Ariana Grande out of my head. I, f- I think Ariana Grande is great, actually. <laughs> <She's> really... <laughs> we, I mean, we're not reviewing her album today, but you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll come back to that one. But that's yeah. sort of, this is the sort of pop music that I really want to hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, it's damning to call it just pure pop. No, because it, it it's more complex, especially in the instrumentation. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's really catchy, and I think these guys could could translate to massive stages. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, um, you know, I think all of all of band are kind of young virtuosos, really, so hugely talented. Um, yeah. But I think 
their their um their singer Lucy Evers is an absolute pop star. You know, I yeah. I haven't actually seen them live in person yet. I've watched lots of videos and it just looks like the most fun you could possibly have at a show with some glitter thrown on top of it. Yeah. Which makes it all the more fun. Yeah. Uh, except for when it gets in our beards. Glitter yeah. beard. Have you ever understood the whole glitter beard thing? You go around 2003, there men with beards covered in glitter. I've never had a beard before. This is quite a new thing for okay. me. So, um, maybe I can't I'll picture you that. being clean shaven. I have a, quite a big face. <laughs> We've got a lovely big face. Um, Anything more to say? I would say uh, this. This was scandalously overlooked in my EPs of the year because I, 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 I love this from the get go. Um, yeah. I would say it's a huge statement of potential, and I am very excited for a debut album. My only gripe, and this is verging on like a petty gripe, mm-hmm. is the last three tracks, because it's eight tracks long. It's essentially like a mini album. It's, but it's a long EP. Yeah. yeah uh, the last three tracks are just the first three tracks they released, but it's their first sort of official physical release mm-hmm. uh, through through Big Scary Monsters. I would argue that if you're listening to this digitally, um, it, I, I'm not sure what those three tracks kind of bring to the table because yeah. I think all five song, all five new songs, you know, especially songs like "Love You Too" and "Tunnel Vision" as well, fucking brilliant. Yeah, I'd say all of the songs on this EP, all of the new songs, are um, are better than the three songs that they recorded first. It is a really petty gripe. Yeah, I didn't even know that that was the case, but right. now that you say that that I can sort of see what you mm. mean. It, it's almost kind of front-loaded in that sense. But, yeah, yeah. But it's a very small, it's a very minor... It's very like, minor. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking petty and stupid. But it's a great EP. Go and check it out. It's Losers Lovers by Orchards. So, um, we're going from two sort of summary records back-to-back to... The complete opposite. Yeah. Um, this is from a trio of uh, women from Reykjavik in Iceland um, called Kailan Mikla. Uh, this is their third album. It came out in November and it's called Not Efter Not, which uh, translates from their uh, native Icelandic tongue as Night After Night. Oh. Um, I, I came across this band because it was in uh, Revolver Magazine's Albums of the Year list. Oh, wow. It came in at somewhere like number 14 out of 30. Um, I think Revolver is kind of becoming a, a real tastemaker in terms of heavy mm-hmm. music. And I wanted to bring it to this pilot because I know when we were talking, I think it might have been about... Um, it may have been about the Drug Church record, not to bring that one up again, but you were saying about how much you love bands like The Cure... Yeah, The Cure especially are one of my favourite bands of all time. I tend to bring them up whenever possible. <laughs> I had a big Cure binge before Christmas because mm-hmm. I, I I think I love The Cure but on a sort of greatest hits level. Yeah. Um. So I'd listen to like Disintegration in full because I think that was the one that everyone says, I'll go and listen to that. And yeah. I think I listened to Three Imaginary Boys as well. Mm-hmm. Um. But Disintegration especially. Uh, so I checked this out because it was on the albums of the year list and it sounded right on my street around that time and then I found out that they were actually um, handpicked by Robert Smith to play Meltdown Festival last year when he curated it uh, at the South Bank and now I'm really fucking gutted I didn't go to that I mean I was gutted anyway that was an insane collection (laughs) of bands that he put together Um, so yeah I mean 
from from the from the sort of start of this record, uh, I'm I'm not I'm going to go on the record now and just say I'm not going to try and pronounce any of the song titles here because yeah. they are all in Icelandic. They sing in Icelandic, um, at least for the most part. Um, so the first track is is instrumental and it's sort of this ominous swelling into. Uh, you know, sort of Stranger Things soundtrack esque mm-hmm. um, sort of vibes. You're seeing this a lot in modern post punk and uh, you know, quote unquote dark wave. It's that eighties. The eighties yeah. is all over this. Well, yeah, you think there's there's artists like Perturbator and Carpenter Brute mm-hmm. where you know they're they're um they're far more nostalgic and evocative of well you know like John Carpenter movies and stuff like that. Yeah. But then you've got the darker, more ethereal bands like the Black Queen, um, yeah. Drab Majesty, uh, Cold Cave as well is a is a good is a good shout. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from from the intro it goes into something far harsher. It's got yeah. these real. Uh, it's really forthcoming in its synths, um, and I think the reason it's kind of breaking into the heavier realm is there's a harshness to the vocal delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a real imposing nature to it. Yeah, it has. Imposing, unsettling at times. Yeah. I think I, when I was doing my research, I saw the word synthwave kind of banded about mm. in relation to this album. I don't think it is, it is synthwave okay. at all. I think it's post-punk all, all over. Yeah. You know, it, it does have those 80s synths that you mentioned... But I think it's doing a very different thing mm. to a lot of those kind of quote unquote synthwave acts that are big at the moment. It's got much more in common with The Cure or, or Nine Inch Nails, even stuff like Joy Division and The Sisters yeah. of Mercy and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it lives far Tons more. Tons of that dry world. ice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a, you know, we're going to talk a little uh, more for an artist um, coming up later on in the show talking about the the live element there's a real ritualistic element to their shows i mm-hmm. now i wanted to sort of be very conversational as i always am on bitch and brew but when i was writing my notes for this the other day there was a phrase i wrote down and i was like oh my god i've just got to read that out because i think it sums up this record um i said it sounds like if the three women from heim uh, goffed up, listened to a load of Bauhaus and Susie and the Banshees, performed a seance and became possessed. And this is the record they made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's what happened. I don't think Heim have released an album for a couple of years. Maybe that's what yeah, happened. Yeah, uh, uh, two, nearly two years now. Oh, yeah, I like Heim as well. Yeah, so, so do I. Yeah. yeah, they're great. Do you, Do you like this record? I Yeah, I love this record. <laughs> I really do. Of course I do. It's a little bit like The Cure. So of course I do. <laughs> um, the the title track on this album, we, I think we should mention it's quite it's quite diverse. Yeah, it does change things up. There are some tracks that are a lot more energetic, mm-hmm. and there are some that that really slow it down and become quite like you said ominous. One of the highlights for me, I'm going to try and pronounce this one because I think I've, I'm going to get it right because they keep repeating the line over and over. Is Havana Kent's egg up. Mm-hmm. It's like the third track on there. I've yeah. probably wildly mispronounced that and offended a bunch of Icelandic people. 
But um, we mean well. Yeah, we do mean well, and it's kind of got that repetitive—not repetitive, but that repeated yeah. uh, vocal line—and it's very sort of dance floory. Yeah. Um, and then you know, sort of goth dance floory, as opposed to like you know, yeah. Tuesday night at you know <laughs> Oceana or whatever. Yeah. Where, where do people go clubbing, Brad? I have no idea. Cool. But Good. I'd love to see these guys at Oceana. But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, what you were saying about the title track, it's really gloomy track, and yeah, um, ominous. I I got real Crystal Castles vibes. Do you remember Crystal Ooh, Castles? Oh, yes, yeah. Which were a band that, that or a, were they a band or more of kind of a solo project? I don't know. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were a duo. They, they've been sort of mired in controversy yeah, um, um, in the last couple of years post Me Too movement and, yeah. but Alice Gloss for sure there's huge Alice Gloss influences yeah, on her and, and she's got quite a close relationship with Robert Smith and that, that oh, whole okay, thing cool. as well um, so it's, un- it's unsurprising that there's there's elements mm. of that um, yeah <laughs> you kind of lost for words I'm lost for words room. I really really do like this it's it's a record that I only knew about since you told me about it. Yeah. So I've had about two weeks. They're starting to get traction. Like I said, they're you know they're in uh, they're in revolver quite a lot at the moment. I think you know people over here are slowly coming round to them. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily coming round, but sort of waking up to them a little bit. I think they're on tour over here. Might even be this month, but I don't believe they're coming anywhere near us. Oh. Not Oceana. I, it's not Oceana. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think with with an album like this and with maybe a few of the albums we're going to talk about t- today you kind of have to accept that this is not going to be for everyone. No. I mean it is it's not an easy listen. No. But I think if you give it time it becomes really infectious. Mhm. Yeah and and it's so diverse that there'll probably be something for you. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's Kaylan Mickler and that's spelt uh, K-A-E-L-A-N the, the, the A and the E are kind of a, an Icelandic character where they kind of merge together but if you yeah. just search K-A-E-L-A-N and Mikla which is M-I-K-L-A on Spotify mm-hmm. the album's called Not After Not um, and I would highly recommend going to listen to it if you're into anything from The Cure to Heim yeah. <laughs> and going to Oceana <laughs> which I'm not a fan of no but I am a fan of this I feel like I've really um, set up the order in which we're talking about these records in a good way because from Kyle and Mickler we're going into a, a rec- another sort of dark record really um Sorry, I don't want to give too much away already. Uh, this is this is an album which did come out in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, but it's worth mentioning that um, it was a very small release. It was on CD only in September um, on a US label, and it's being repressed on vinyl by the brilliant Holy Raw um, on March 22nd. Um, it's a band from Arizona, and they're called Holy Fawn. This is their this is their debut full length. I think there might be one before this. I think it it's possibly an EP, an EP or a yeah, mini album. I, I have to confess, I don't know too much. Yeah, but, Mark, it, but... This, this is their album called Death Spells. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that you brought in, but I have been listening to it a lot as well before you uh, yeah. before you said you wanted to cover this one. So I'll let you take the lead on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, a difficult band to to kind of sum up genre wise. Going straight in, they're a kind of melodic but really heavy 
kind of psychedelic, shoegazy band. <laughs> um, Would it help it? I've got their Bandcamp bio um, written in front of me here. Go for it. Um, and I, I love this because um, their Bandcamp bio is essentially just says indie, acid, mellow, heavy, animals, nature, dreams, the taste of moss, bury yourself alive. That is perfect. I, I read that and I kind of go, yeah. Yeah, maybe I will bury myself alive <laughs> with my headphones so I can listen to this. Um, yeah, I think pro tip, it's always worth going on a band's band camp just to kind of look around because... Yeah, I do it a hell of a lot less than I should. Yeah, but it, it, it's a good place to go. Anyway, um, flew very under the radar, like you said, last year. It certainly flew under my radar. Um, I've probably had it since kind of the first week of January. Mm. And I've listened to it more or less every day. It's a really great record. It's um, ethereal, in a word. Yeah. A word we're going to be using uh, a little bit later on as well, I think. Um, it, it really conjures the imagery of the outdoors, of like the woods yeah. and nature... And it it really does quite quite strongly transport you to that kind of place mm. mentally. Yeah, I I don't think I'll ever get bored of these sort of records. No, it is equal measures of beautiful mm-hmm. and serene, but devastatingly heavy. Yeah, it really is. But and it's that kind of different kind of heavy you know when mm. when you say heavy maybe the first thing someone thinks is like death metal like yeah yeah they're, they're thinking cannibal corpse, you know something. yeah exactly but napalm death that isn't the kind of only definition of of heavy you know no um and this is definitely at the other end yeah although the guitar there is a real heavy guitar sound that kind of comes in and out yeah yeah um i would say that the I've kind of written that this is uh, like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Because it kind of lures you into this this false sense of security with these really lush and delicate uh, soundscape-y textures. Um, And then just finds so many ways to catch you off guard throughout the record. Yeah. It's a long record. It's... I think it's... I'm right in saying it's either... It's around the hour hour mark, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of the songs are around six to seven minutes or above. Mm-hmm. I think the shortest song is is four minutes, and then you're looking at about a nine minute song. Yeah. Um, it's one of those records. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like I said, I don't think I'll ever get bored of them. No, not unlike I think a good touch point or something is is Arcane Roots. It, it reminded me of a little bit. Are you? Are we talking more sort of melancholia hymns? Arcane yes, roots, yeah, as opposed to you know like blood and chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of the, it's, I think it's that etherealness mixed with the heaviness at times. Yeah. That was kind of a touch point for me, but there aren't really many touch points for an album like this. I think Holy Fawn have got a really unique thing going, which is maybe why I've become so obsessed with this record and. Maybe one finding it hard to, to put into words. Maybe, maybe I'm being a bit cruel, but I, I'm not necessarily seeing yet where it's particularly unique. Okay. I'm, I'm, I might just be being... I've only listened to this record maybe about three or four times mm-hmm. in its entirety. 
Um, because it is a long record. Yeah. And it's not a record that you can just stick on in the background. Mm-hmm. It's it really demands your attention. It's what I it's what I and and Lauren Laverne I suppose like to call a headphones record. Yeah. You can't listen to this in the background or on in shitty little earbuds. No. This is a isolate yourself and kind mm-hmm. of get lost in this record. Yeah, it's very distracting. Yeah. <laughs> um there's, uh, I think my favourite song on it is is this, actually the second track called Arrows, mm-hmm. um, which is predominantly very delicate math rock. Almost kind of sounds like, um, you know, like the National, or yeah, it, it's kind of got um, similar vibes to Foxing. Yeah. Um, and then it's kind of peppered with these these two second bursts of static, which just come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and five minutes in, when you think the song ends, um, it erupts into this horrifically heavy doom number. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's very dissonant and, and groove-laden. And, and it's just these roaring vocals, which are petrifying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a, a brilliant summation of what this record is. Yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair by saying it's unique. I do. I've. I. I really have loved every listen to this record so far mm-hmm. from the very first listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe it, it's just unique, maybe to me, or 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 maybe, in terms of the of the other bands that maybe Holy Raw are bringing out. Mm. I'm not sure, but I, I certainly haven't heard anything like this. For a while, no. I, think, so. I would say this is for fans of uh, bands like This Will Destroy You. Yeah. Um, if these trees could talk. Mm-hmm. Caspian. Yeah. Down to things like Deftones. Yeah. Chelsea Wolf. Um, yeah, I'd say those are some brilliant sonic points of um of reference. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I not to. I'm not trying to you know put down this record at all no in fact i don't um, think i will be able to put it down at any point (laughs) me neither this is the one that i think would have charged headfirst into my top 20 right about it okay cool yeah fantastic so that's um that's holy fawn and it's called death spells like i said it came out last year on whelmed records they're called Mm -hmm. um came out sort of digital and cd released through their band camp um but uh holy raw are sort of giving it the re-release um putting it on vinyl because this is a vinyl record mm-hmm. fucking hell it's a vinyl record. and yeah. i believe they've got some really nice uh colorways yeah, um have, yeah. uh, on on double vinyl and that's going to be out on march 22nd so well when we do the april episode of the bitchin review provided we're still you know doing it at that point <laughs> we'll give you a little reminder to go and uh get a copy of the album on vinyl because yeah. i think that's the format you really want to hear it mm-hmm. yeah but you can one. go listen to it now on spotify yeah, and I recommend that you do. Absolutely. So, Holy Fawn and Death Spells. Right, so we've got two more records to talk about. Um, this is another one of your records, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Teenage Wrist with Chrome Neon Jesus. Yep. Tell me a little bit about Teenage Wrist, Brad. From LA, alternative rock band. This is their debut album. They incorporate elements of... Kind of grunge, alternative rock, yeah, a little bit of shoegaze. Um, yeah. What did you think about this? I fucking love it. Yeah, <laughs> I really beat myself up that this didn't go into my top twenty. I oh, really? Don't really have a good reason why. 
It didn't. It, it's a record that's been with me for quite a while. Oh, okay. This I hadn't heard. I hadn't actually listened to this record until you brought it to the oh, table. Really? Yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's just really strong, massive rock songs. You know, really great melodies, really great production, kind of shiny, sort of dreamy, kind of production to it mm. um, it's got this really great thing of the chorus having the name of the song in it kind of repeated which is yeah. I think a really underrated thing yeah Fallout fall Boy fucked that up didn't they <laughs> yeah, for coming up with these <laughs> fucking weird song titles that you know like are never actually mentioned anywhere in the song sorry <laughs> I'm not bitter at all <laughs> But it speaks to, you know, having a real sort of simple, catchy hook. Yeah. That can just be a kind of a, a short phrase. Mm. Um, did you know this was produced by the same guy who did the Culture Abuse record last year? I didn't know that. I know that he um, he's worked with Paramore and Jimmy Eat World and, and Wolf Alice in recent yeah. years. Uh, M83 as well. Yeah. Um, Carlos de la Garza. I couldn't yes. remember his name when we were doing the albums of the year special, but uh, his name's Carlos de la Garza. I mm-hmm. think I actually referred to him as Brendan de la Garza, um, which is totally fucking wrong. But sorry, Carlos, if you're listening, probably not. <laughs> probably not. But good job on this record because fucking hell, it is really good production. Yeah. I I read that he was a member of Real Big Fish at one point as well. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. That's um, great. Yeah. I wonder Real if he was fish. one of the members in Basketball. Have you seen Basketball? <laughs> yeah, long did we time t- ago. Did we talk about this already? I don't think so. I, um, possibly. Possibly, I'm not, maybe. Maybe. Real Big Fish are in Basketball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if he was around <laughs> But it is time. a good film. Don't let that put you off. Yeah, it's, I've watched it again recently. It's, it, is, it is really great. It's really shit at the same time as well, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but back to Teenage Wrist. I mean... I, I don't necessarily think I have anything profound to say about this. No, it's um, a little bit like, for anyone that listened to the to the Top 20, I said about the Basement record that there isn't an awful lot to say about it, and that isn't necessarily a negative thing. There's a lot no. to be said for just really great rock songs. I have the exact same thing written down. It has that same appeal as the last Basement record. Mm-hmm. Perhaps with a little more edge... Then the basement record, I I love yeah. I I've really loved that. But I like I said, I think that basement record is is the uh, best record they've done yet mm-hmm. as a full body of work. Hundred um, percent. And I think this album does to me what that basement album did to you. Really, mm-hmm. it, it's it's really hit a sweet spot. There's yeah. the opening track, um, which is the title track, Chrome Neon Jesus. Um, Again, with that, you know, line in the, the chorus. Yeah, exactly. Um, I see what you mean, yeah. to be fair. I didn't mean to take the piss, but it's got that <laughs> it's got that sort of piercing guitar melody that just sort of cuts right through you. Yeah. Um, my favourite song on it is Stoned Alone. Yeah. It's got this sort of dense buzzsaw guitars. Yeah. Um, but it's lifted by this, this wonderfully simple vocal harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the drummer as well. I talk a lot about the guitars, but the drummer just hits like an absolute thunder bastard. Yeah. I think he has to with those guitars. But... It kind of reminds me, we were saying a lot about the 90s, but reminds me of Taylor Hawkins or or even like yeah. Dave Grohl, yeah. to be honest. Um, 
yeah, I don't know what I can say about this record apart from it's just fucking great. Yeah, I mean, if you like any of that current crop of bands that are bringing the 90s yeah. into modern music, whether it be Milk Teeth um, or whoever, you're, you're going to love this. I can't see yeah. how you wouldn't. Yeah, even like bands like Joyce Manor mm-hmm. or... You know what? Listening to this record, I realised something. I've I, I realised it before anyway, but every now and again I just get the thought... I really fucking miss Super Heaven. Yeah, Super Heaven is a is a big touch point for this. Yeah. I think. Um, Would you argue it's perhaps maybe a bit too close? I I like I see it as Super Heaven are gone. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. We have Teenage Wrist. If you know if. I'm more than happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, th- another thing I want to say, it's crazy that this is a three-piece and they can sound this loud. Yeah. I know modern production techniques and all of that and double tracking. And, yeah. But I've probably got several guitar parts on it. But I'd love to see how they pull this off live. I was about I bet, to say that. I, I, I really want to see I it. I bet it's they're this. really loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, to use um generic music journalist phrase, oh, number... Okay. 11. Yeah. It is an assured debut. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> I'm liking that. Can I borrow your book? Uh, no, it's mine. No, fine. It's All my right. secret to my success. <laughs> Not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, Teenage Wrist and Chrome Neon Jesus. Mm-hmm. One more record to talk about. Yep. Um, this, is, this has been great, actually. Um, I, I saved this record till last... Um, purely because I think it's probably going to be the longest conversation we're going to have. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, <laughs> God, I don't know where to start with this. Well, I suppose I better start with who the band are. Yeah. They're called Heilung. Um It's a collective of musicians uh, based in Denmark. They're sort of three focal members who mm-hmm. are from uh, Norway, Germany and Denmark, respectively. Um, and they create what they refer to as Amplified History. Um, this is actually, I should have said, a live album. And my relationship with live albums is pretty sort of, uh, I don't know, it's it's bitty. Yeah. It's bitty as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And not in the Little Britain way. <laughs> <laughs> I watched some Little Britain the other day and I was like, God, I can't believe they actually got away with it some of this shit. It hasn't aged well, has it? It really hasn't. No. No. I felt bad watching it, actually. That's a left in the past, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, instead, I put on an episode of Sex Education. On the, have you started watching that yet? On no, Netflix? I've heard It's fucking great. Things. Check it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really good. Anyway, um, yeah, my relationship with live albums, I, I can really love them. And I, I think they're a hard thing to pull off. I think yeah. City in Colour made a really good live album last year. I don't know if you listened to that one. No, I haven't. It was sort of recorded in theatres across Canada, mm-hmm. um, or like even just like small auditoriums. Um, yeah. Really beautiful, intimate live record. I really love um, a live 07 by Daft Punk. I think is one of the best <laughs> live albums ever made. I Obviously, think... the the obvious ones are like S and M by Metallica and Unplugged in New yeah. York by Nirvana. Yeah. Um, but as far as modern live albums go, I don't think there's many modern sort of classic live no, albums. I think they've maybe been a bit replaced by the live YouTube video. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And I should say, this was recorded live at Castle Fest um, in 2017. So um, that's uh, a sort of medieval slash fantasy festival, um, according to their website, or in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Did you? Uh, and it has sort of been filmed in its entirety. Yeah. Um, and and put on YouTube. Did you know that this was their first ever show? No. Yeah. I know that. Um, I, I wanted to bring in something today from that really bastard-heavy experimental. It, I suppose you could almost call it the roadburn scene. Yeah. Um, you know the Roadburn Festival scene, and I think they are playing Roadburn this year. Oh well. Um, and it sort of it's like we were saying about heavy earlier. If people think heavy, they think death metal. They probably don't think of, you know, something like this. Which, if you could put it in a single sort of pigeonhole, which I wouldn't recommend, but it's almost experimental folk. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what I'd call it. Yeah. I mean, do you want to? Is, do you want to, Brad? I've been dying to ask you this for the last sort of two weeks since we've been planning this. How do you feel about this? Conflicted, confused. <laughs> um, I'm dying to talk about it, and maybe get some way to to deciding how I feel about it. Mm. <laughs> um. So I started by watching the live performance yeah. rather than diving into the album on Spotify. Or okay. Which I would recommend as a way to um to to listen to it. Mm. Um I think it gives you a a much better idea of what they're doing. Yeah. Um and what they are doing is essentially taking texts and artifacts from from the Iron Age, from the Viking Age. Yeah. Um and adapting them into songs. Yeah, they're, they're taken from sort of runes and amulets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, a fun fact about me that you maybe didn't know, I studied languages at university. Oh, really? And, um, did an exam on, on Viking language and, and stuff. I didn't know that. Um, so it's something that interests me a bit. Stressed me out during uni. <laughs> yeah. But it's it very interesting to me. And what they're doing is really, really interesting. Um, I think they've said in interviews that their aim is to kind of strip away the uh, the kind of stresses of modern life. Yeah. The, the artifice of society, I guess. Mm. And um, and take it back to 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 the really really the really old days. <laughs> um, and and kind of instill a sense of, of community and spirituality. Mm. Um, which is uh, what they're very much what they're doing with that live performance. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it, it is kind of immersed in in Viking culture and history. And mm-hmm. when I say use the word immersed, they've gone all fucking in. Yeah. Um, I mean, all you need to do is watch the live video to see the attention to detail in their costumes We're and in, not and in the staging. Them on a mouth here, are we? <laughs> no, no. When <laughs> th- that, that's the thing. Like when you think about these these. Uh, bands that take uh, that take cues from history, bands like Amonomath or Churzas, if you remember them a few mm-hmm. a few years ago, or even like you know Sabaton taking from military history, um, it kind of comes off like parody a lot of the time. Although I think Amonomath are beyond parody. I think yeah, Amonomath sure. are genuinely great. Um, but I can't doubt Highlong's authenticity for one second. No, it is the real. It is the real deal. Yeah. Um, um, among their instruments are human bones. 
Um, it's quite interesting you say about uh, you know what they've said. I, I, they're, again, making reference to them, but there's a brilliant interview with them uh, on the Revolver website, yeah. um, where I've kind of learned a lot about High Lung. Uh, they've yeah. also been uh, getting quite a lot of love from Metal Hammer, mm-hmm. rightfully so. Um, I think you know. It's interesting what they say about the trying to take away the the artifice of modern life because what they do is play with very traditional instruments and then it's juxtaposed with these sort of churning industrial electronics. Yeah, which are very minimal, I think. Minimal but still integral. Yeah, and yeah. effective. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we talk about the instruments they're using, uh, spears as yeah. well um, and I think they're trying very much to use authentic well they are they yeah. are using authentic instruments from that time that they're evoking and I mean these instruments are thunderous at times yeah it it almost makes you wonder why we ever kind of invented other instruments when they can sound you know what I mean yeah who why, wants a drum machine when why you can, protal you... the shit out of something yeah when, when you can have these sounds when you can bash the shit out of a bodrum you know like <laughs> yeah it really sounds incredible. I think, you know, I said I had mixed feelings about it. Um, not to kind of be be uh, disrespectful to what they're doing, but it it, it kind of it unsettled me a little bit. I okay. found it quite frightening. Yeah. In, in a, you know, I'm, I'm being, you know, genuine. Mm. It, um, it is a little bit unsettling and, maybe, and a little bit... Intimidating. Maybe. Yeah, there's a couple of songs. Kriegsgalde, uh, mm-hmm. which is probably mispronounced again. Yeah. But... Um, Mr. Language's student, how's how was that? Good. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, uh, where you know, I and another song, um, uh, Furthork, mm-hmm. um, where the I mean, we haven't spoken about the vocalist yet, but the sort of lead male vocalist Kai Owe Faust. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got this shamanic presence. He he's he's very sort of well versed in shamanism and and Viking culture. Yeah. Um. He's got a, a really fascinating, a very dark story uh, yeah. of his past. Um. And he studied Tibetan throat singing. Yeah. Because he's got this very deep, unsettling. I don't want to say gurgle to his voice, but it is a very guttural heavy voice without being like a sort of a death metal growl he kind of calls it heavier than death metal it is heavier than death metal in terms of the range and how low he can go with his voice how low can he go sorry (laughs) I don't know what that is not something I was expecting to hear Viking Limbo (laughs) (laughs) there's the episode title yeah write it down um (laughs) uh, I've completely lost my train of thought Danny um, it is heavier How than death metal. How long can you go? <laughs> <laughs> How that long can even, you go? That doesn't even make sense. No. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, on the on the sort of uh, songs I was mentioning earlier, uh, Furthock, uh, you do need the visual reference for some of these songs because he's sort of um, almost... Uh, you know, it's very ritualistic throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the very beginning with the, with the chanting, uh, the, the sort of the recital of the... You know, we are all brothers, and mm-hmm. you know, and birds and trees and and stones and wood and yeah. I, I'm paraphrasing here, but um, uh, you know, he's sort of performing these these shamanic magical rituals, um, and it's almost like he's being possessed. 
Yeah. That's much so. when it gets really scary. Yeah. It's scary to watch. Um, it let is. Let alone to listen to. It is. Um, I'd be really interested to see what somebody... Did you listen before you watched? The I listened ad? before I watched. Did it... I, I wonder if we come from it, you know, in, in different yeah. ways. I um, found it completely captivating from the start. That is one thing that you can say about it. It is really captivating. Yeah. And it just pulls you in um, to to what they're doing. Um, we haven't spoken uh, about the female vocalist. Yeah, Maria Franz. Who also has a really otherworldly voice, but on a totally opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, the contrast between her and, and Faust's vocals... Is I, I mean I think the vocal work on this spoken a lot about the instruments and the electronics, but I think the real standout on this on a sort of sonic level are the vocals. Yeah, especially when you think it's all done live. Yeah, it's it's mind blowing. It really is. The high notes that she can reach and the sort of um, the enchantress presence that mm-hmm. she that she kind of has yeah. throughout this record, even when she's not performing if you watch it there's a uh, there's a song called um alfred haiti mm-hmm. which translates as all father yeah uh where it's kind of driven predominantly by a sort of call and response uh vocal from led by faust and mm-hmm. sort of uh, a good dozen backing vocalists male backing vocalists and she's singing along but not with a microphone at all and she kind of has this very captivating presence yeah they none of them kind of break for a moment it's no no total um mm experience and she's kind of wearing this kind of headdress yeah you can't see her eyes can you at any point um, it's quite frightening Um, (laughs) has she visited you in your nightmares Brad no (laughs) when I first started watching the thing I was like oh Danny this is really fright this has really scared me why have you made me watch this but but I I did start to get really kind of invested in it and, and really interested and then when I went and read their story and, and what they're trying to do, mm. I came away with a massive amount of respect, you know, for what they're doing and how they're bringing their culture and their beliefs yeah. into music, I think is a really, really great thing. I think if you're listening to this and you're kind of going, oh, this sounds a bit this sounds a bit heavy, it is heavy. It is. You, you, it's you, not going to be for everyone. Yeah, it really no, isn't. and it, it kind of demands your patience mm. a little bit. I, th- I think from the start, it is a great, great live record yeah um and you know the the thing to master with live records is you want to put it on and feel like you are in the front row yeah um and i think it is immersive in that regard it is completely terrifying yeah um and really bastard heavy yeah um i think if you like artists like mirka uh, emma ruth rundle I don't really particularly know a lot about this. Uh, I don't know if there's any other groups that are doing this. There was a lot of related artists on Spotify that I'd never heard of that looked very um, sort of Viking-y. Yeah. Um, so if you are sort of a fan of this scene, I'd like to know how Highlung kind of rank in your in your estimations yeah, of too. this weird Viking experimental folk music. Yeah. Um, I'd urge anyone to have a look and, yeah. and read about them. Um, and and, ex- and explore what they're doing. It's, yeah. it's Maybe, really, really interesting. I, I would look at the Revolver magazine article. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, one other thing I want to say about Maria Franz as well, I think what you can hear in this record is, is Highlung becoming really empowered by the sort of, um, 
you know. I, I've got a huge amount of respect for the commitment that they have to their craft. Yeah. Maria was saying in this in this Revolver interview um, that when she was 12 years old, she thought she was the ugliest person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And then she found her local Viking reenactment group where she could sit around the campfire and tell stories and sing songs and make her own drums and clothes and mm-hmm. and whatever. And and it made her feel empowered. Yeah. And that's what you get on this record is the, is the sound of empowerment. Yeah. More power to them. I yeah, think that's great. So that's High Lung, and the album's uh, called Leifa, mm-hmm. um, or Leifa. It's uh, spelled L-I-F-A, and High Lung is spelled H-E-I-L-U-N-G. Uh, definitely it going. It means healing. Yes, in, in German. In German. Yes. And you hear it, people shout it um, from the crowd. Yeah. Um, I know, obviously, people do that at gigs, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, you hear people almost shout it as part of the ritual. Yeah, Highland. <laughs> it's know. different to most live albums in that sense. Yeah. It's much more ritualistic. So. Yeah. So yeah, Highlung and Leifer, go and check it out. And that uh, brings us to the end of the pilot episode of the Bitchin Review. Yeah. That was fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, fun. Brad. Um, thank you. Here's here's to many more. We're we're looking to do this kind of on a monthly basis at the moment. Yeah. Life might get kind of a little bit busy at times, so we're not going to promise anything. We're just going to take it easy, mm-hmm. you know. And we realise that we're not exactly reinventing the wheel here. We're two cis white guys sitting down to chat about albums on a podcast. We realise you probably listen to loads of you know great podcasts that 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 do that. Um, uh, you know, right act, and that's not metal, and you know the Metal Hammer podcast and what have you. Um, so we realise we're not reinventing the wheel. I mean, you know, thank you very much for listening, obviously. But as we kind of begin to craft the bitch in review, we want to hear your feedback. We want to hear uh, what you want from this kind of review show. Uh, if you want to hear us do reviews of particular records. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll be picking kind of six to seven records per month, I would say, maybe yeah. even eight. Yeah. Um, if time will allow. Um, I know in January we've already got some records to talk about. Uh, we're going to have to talk about uh, the Bring Horizon record. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Puppy record is finally coming out. Uh, Fever 333's album came out today. Yeah. Um, oh, God, loads of stuff. Um, so, yeah, the January episode uh, will be coming up in February. Um, <laughs> uh, if If Brad hasn't sort of been creeped out by my weird Titanic references <laughs> and and the fact that my my trench coat has become slowly unbuttoned <laughs> throughout the recording of this podcast. I've been subtle about it up until now. Um, Can I go now? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but I want to hear your feedback. Uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, um, subscribe, review, rate, subscribe um, <laughs> on uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and Acast. Apologies to any Acast listeners uh, that had trouble listening to the Enter Shikari episode, by the way, because... Um, uh, yeah, some gremlins got into the uh, got into the account, but it's back up now, so you can still listen on Acast, um, or Spotify, or SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on our Apple Podcasts, then leave a leave a, a sort of a positive review, a five star, if you will. It doesn't have to be five stars if you don't think this has been a five star show, but I think it fucking has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't like it, maybe keep it to yourself. Yeah. Or tell us. Just. Fuck don't off! Tell <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want to. All jokes aside, we want to hear your feedback. Yeah. We want this. We want to, you know, use your feedback positively to grow 
you know this this new venture and you know just have a bit of fun with it as well yeah. you know what this is what we both needed as young writers is to is to find the fun in in writing again so um yeah this has been genuinely fun brad thank you very much for joining me thank you um and uh, here's to many more episodes of the bitchin review brought to you by the bitchin brew podcast cheers folks bye bye do you want to say bye 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 <laughs>